Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. What an honor it is to be here. Uh, what a great church. And I am so excited about what God's doing at this church. I, I, I tell people, you need to watch Souls Harbor online. Because God is, God is using you guys. Wow, 1,277 Bible studies. That's the key. Anybody can teach a Bible study. I believe it with all my heart. That's one of the things I miss the most about evangelizing. Is Y'all can be seated. Is that one-on-one -on -one teaching people, meeting people. Any, you can be a soul winner. Yeah. I, when I first got in church, March of 2004, I'm going to tell you I was on fire. I still am on fire. I'm just going to tell you. Amen. Amen. I've had people say, I want to get that back. Well, I'm past getting that back. <laughs> yeah. But I was on fire for God. I mean, you have to understand, I was, I was about to be in prison for the rest of my life. God made a, a way for me not to, but he didn't make a way immediately. There was things I had to go through before he could see that I was going to do what he called me to do. I uh, graduated drug court. I finally got to graduate from something. In my, I got a little office, and in my office I have my ordination and my graduation certificate from drug court. That way, if I ever get too prideful, that I can look and see where I really came from. And I have to be honest with you, I'm more proud of the graduation from drug court than I am the ordination because that was the biggest change in my life. I went from being an IV drug user to delivered. Delivered. When I tell you, I didn't know with, I, I delivered. I have people ask me all the time, how do I get delivered? He'll deliver you, but you have to stay delivered. And I, I was lucky. I had a wise father. And the last three years of his life, I, me and him were very close. I was, I was finally in church. And all the prayers that he had prayed had now, he was witnessing the fruits of them. And I, I wanted to, first thing I wanted to do, I wanted to go back to all those drug houses and witness to my friends. He said, stop. What do you mean stop? He said, I don't want you talking to your friends for at least two years. 
I said, but I, I, I want to tell them what God's done. He said, God can send somebody else. I said, why? He said, you're not strong enough. And I don't want the spirits attacking you that you was brought out from. Well, I didn't know the wisdom of that then. And I listened to him. And I began to reach out to other people. Because he told me, he said, your friends, they've been around all your life. He said, let's try witnessing to new people. Well, I was in drug court. And drug court had, I think, 91 or 92 of us in that class. And I began to witness to people. By the time I graduated drug court, I had baptized 80-something of them. And I didn't just baptize the offenders. I baptized the police. I baptized parole officers. I ba they gave me a therapist. I baptized her in Jesus' name. I baptized her husband. They're still... They're, I remember one lady, she was going over my paperwork, and she, she was saying, I, I, I don't understand how you're here. You should be in prison. I said, well, let me tell you how I'm here. And I remember the night I talked her into coming to church. She came down to the front, and I prayed her through to the Holy Ghost. Her husband came down to see what was going on. I prayed him through the Holy Ghost. She went and got her kids. I prayed them through to the Holy Ghost. We baptized them that night. See, we all have our giftings. Anybody know David Smith? I mean, he'll pray anybody through to the Holy Ghost. That's his gifting. My gifting, I can ask people that nobody else has ever been able to get baptized, and I'll say, you need to be baptized. They go, okay. And people are going, well, I've been trying to get them baptized. I said, I don't know. I just said, you need to be baptized. But we all can be soul winners. Have you ever wondered if you just won one soul a year? If everybody in here, I don't know how many's in here. I'm an evangelist. Probably looks like 500 to me, so. But if every one of us just won one, I got one I'm winning this year. I used to, me and him done more crimes than Bonnie and Clyde. He's my best friend. And now he realizes that there's something special. I'm going to baptize him in Jesus' name this year. And you know how I'm doing it? I'm his friend. I might come home smelling like cigarette smoke because I've been sitting with him. And he smokes, he, 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 he would smoke chains if he could light them. The dude smokes constantly. Cusses like a sailor. Worse than a sailor. He taught sailors how to cuss. He says cuss words I didn't even know when I was running around. And he'll go, oh, I'm sorry, bro. I don't say nothing to him. He just feels bad when he says it in front of me. But I'm his friend. 
And before you can win somebody, you got to be their friend. And the problem is not being prayed up, not being in the Word of God, and instead of you influencing them, they influence you. You've got to be right in the Holy Ghost in your heart or you're going to be influenced when you shouldn't be influenced. But you've got to be their friend. And listen, the people I talk to sometimes, a lot of my friends that I've been witnessing to, and we're in a, we're in a brand new neighborhood. My wife has invited half our neighborhood to church already because my wife's a soul winner. But we're their friends. They may not look like me. You know, I didn't always look this good. They may not dress like me. They may not walk and talk like me. But Paul said, he that wins a soul is wise. And we have to use wisdom. They just need a friend, first of all. We just went through, we're still going through all, a bunch of mess. And I, you don't even want to hear my opinion on all this stuff. Y'all think I've lost my mind. But I have lost my mind. And people are hurting. People are scared. And people want an answer to what's going on. And they need a friend to say, you know, I don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. I'm afraid apostolics have been, I'm just going to talk real for a few minutes. I'm afraid apostolics have been so holier than thou that we forgot what it was like when we used to be like that. I'm afraid that we have gotten to, to the place to where we're so quick that we want everybody to change and be like us so fast that we don't know how to be somebody's friend that, unless they look just like us. You see, the first time Jesus showed up with, a, with, with his disciples, he said, I want you to cast your net on the right side of the boat. Y'all remember that story? The fish swam into the net, but the net broke. The last time he talked to them and said, cast your nets on the right side of the boat, the nets held because they had been with him for three and a half years, and their nets were now ready to hold the harvest that he was going to send them. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at people that want to come into our nets. They want what we have. We need to quit hanging our head, putting our head in the sand, and saying, well, they, they don't, you know, they, they think I'm crazy. No, they want what you have. They're hungry for somebody to say, I know how your broken heart can be healed. 
I know how to get rid of your fear and your depression. I know those questions that you have. I know the one that can answer those questions. And remember, it's not about us. It's about him. And if we will put him first and we will love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, then that puts a love for the lost in us. I, I'm, I still wake up in the morning early with this aching inside of me. One more soul, Lord. My dad was an evangelist for 33 years. And one of the last things he told me, I said, Dad, we were just riding down the road. I said, what if on your deathbed you had one wish and God would grant it to you? He'd say, I'd want one more soul. Just one more person before I left this world. If we're going to be here, let's do something for him. If we're going to be here, let's tell people about Jesus. Let's be kind. Because a lot of, a lot of people think us Pentecostal folks are rude. And they are right. You can't never please a lot of Pentecostal people in the restaurant. I have been so embarrassed, Pastor, that I just like, Lord, let's let me out of here. And I've came back and I've gave them money and said, here, here's a good tip. I'm sorry about those folks. I've done it. They've run them, the waitress back and forth. They've cooked it three times. Nothing's ever right. And they'll leave her five bucks. And I've been like, oh, Lord, my wife will look at me. And sometimes I'll go, I'll be back. And I'll come find that person and say, look, not everybody's like that. Here's you some money. And I've noticed, now it probably isn't like that here in Florida. But in Arkansas, I can be in the mall and I'll see, you know they're apostolic. And I'm like, hey, what's up? They're like, I promise you, don't do that to me. Because I start going, hey, praise the Lord. Hey, I know you. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, I'll do it. Why would they want something like that? The joy of the Lord is our strength. James 5, 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? This is the, script, the verse the Lord gave me while I was praying. Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. 
and he have and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now here's the one we don't like: confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Do you understand? That's the, one of the greatest prophets. They all recognize this is the greatest prophet ever. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Man, what a powerful few scriptures right there. We, we can all quote, oh, is any sick among you? Call for the elders because, boy, when we get sick, oh, Lord, pray for me. But he ends this whole chapter, James does. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul. I've got a story I want to tell you. I know this is kind of unorthodox, but I'm pretty unorthodox anyway. I got a I had a friend of mine, his name was Bobby. And I keep Bobby's picture in my Bible. He was my best friend. I don't ever get up hardly ever and preach without looking at this picture. Bobby and I were inseparable. We did all kinds of we were into drugs, alcohol. And one day, Bobby called me. I was sitting at my house. And Bobby is one of those guys that was either way up here or you had to scrape him up off the floor. Man, he was fired up. Hey, Nikki, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. I said, probably not. He said, I went to an Assembly of God church. I'm not trying to throw rocks. Assembly of the gods. Sorry, that was a rock. <laughs> Sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Doesn't it aggravate you when Pentecostals call themselves Pentecostals and they're Trinitarians? Really? <laughs> but anyway, I'm ADD. Sorry, folks. And at that Assembly of God church, that Sunday, this is Sunday night when he called me. You ain't going to believe what happened. I said, what? He said, man, I spoke in tongues today. Well, listen, Bobby was like me. We were heathens. Well, I said, well, good for you, Bobby. You know, because I, I wasn't real proud of the fact my buddy was maybe going to church. And he said, they're baptizing me tonight, Sunday night. I said, well, have fun with that, bro. And I hung the phone up 
Now, I'm just going to tell you all, I was high and I was drinking. And something started bothering me. And I drove to Bobby's house. I said, all right, man, let me talk to you. I had hair down to here, a beard down to here. And I said, I'm glad you got the Holy Ghost. I said, I said, but do you have a Bible? I, none of us had a Bible. All he had was, you know, that big white coffee table Bible? That's it. It was bigger than this. He laid it on the coffee table. He had to go dig it out somewhere. I said, Bobby, if you're going to go to church, I said, you might as well do it the right way. And I opened up that big coffee table Bible. And I gave Bobby a Bible study. And I showed him how they were going to baptize him. And I showed him how you really needed to be baptized. I said, now, so you make your own choice, but there's the truth. You know what he said? Well, your dad baptizes people, doesn't he? I said, he does. He said, will your dad baptize me? <laughs> I said, I'm sure he will. And my dad baptized Bobby in Jesus' name. For that brief moment, God used me. I still look back at it and go, what in the world? Let me tell you what happened to Bobby. He got being pulled. He didn't have any friend that was in the church. This is a true story. Because not very many apostolics reached out to him. My mom and dad did, but my dad was gone all the time. Bobby needed a friend because even though he had been baptized and received the Holy Ghost, Bobby still had a lot of struggles. And about a year after that, this is a hard story for me. I'm just going to be honest with you. He got accused of some things that he didn't do. He was going through a divorce. I came home from work. And the guy that I'm going to baptize is Bobby's brother. We were like the three amigos was sitting on my porch. Gary's the toughest man I've ever been around in my life. He's a, not a real big guy until he, you, you fight him. You think he's seven foot tall, mean as a snake. And he, I'd never seen him cry. And he was shaking on the front porch crying. I walked up and I said, what's going on, bro? He said, Bobby's dead. He shot up some dope tonight and all of his organs, they said, shut down. If Bobby would have just had a friend. You see, the soul winning doesn't stop when you put him under the water. The soul winning doesn't stop when they are speaking in tongues. They need a friend. They need somebody to call them not just once a week, every day. Hey, man, you doing all right? My dad's buried 
And it's about 35 steps from my dad is Bobby's grave. And I walk out when I go. To, it's hard for me to go there, but I go and I look at my dad's where he's laying, and then I walk over and look at Bobby. And I just think if he would have just had a friend. If he would have just had somebody that said, it's going to be all right, let me come over and pray with you. Are you busy? Can I take you to breakfast? Are you busy? Let's go fishing. Let's go play golf. You don't even have to lay out all the theological things going on. Most of the time, you're going to confuse them. That's what a pastor's for. Let him teach it in class. Be his friend. If he would have had a friend, and I look at his picture, and I think, what a loss. We get too busy. I got a friend, his name is Danny Fultz. Is this all right? No. Danny Fultz put the first needle in my arm. We were running buddies. We were tight. I got in church, and I started preaching, and I talked to Danny a little bit here and there. Help me, Jesus. Danny started reaching out to me about three or four years ago. Man, bro, I need to talk to you. I'd say, all right, what's going on? Man, something, I need something in my life. Would you help me? Yeah, I, I kept putting it off. Well, I got to fly to here. I won't be back till then. Well, he was going to be gone. We could never catch up every time. Or I was tired. I'm just being honest. This is as transparent as I can be. He'd say, man, I need you. I need you. I got his picture in my phone. I pull it out and look at it all the time. Man, I need you. No, I was too busy preaching at the big churches. I was too busy doing all this other stuff that I thought was important. I come back, and I had a message from his wife on my phone. He died. I went to, the Lord speaks to me in dreams. And God showed me, Danny, pointing at me and said, why did you not tell me? I'm going to tell you what the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm going to judge you for this one of these days. When I stand before God, he's not going to care about all the conferences I've preached. He's not going to care about all the missions trips I took. He's going to ask me, what about Danny? I have somewhat against thee. 
What about Danny? See, we're going to be judged according to your works. Now listen, I believe in being faithful to the church. You can ask any, any man that I'm under. They'll tell you I'm faithful, submitted. But what about my works? As I thought about this all week, I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to find a way to win more souls. And regardless of what people think, me preaching and them coming to the altar, that's not me winning souls. Me winning souls is inviting people to church. If you ever get the mentality, just one more. Lord, will you give me just one more? Let me tell you, if you could ever get a glimpse of hell. I preached a men's conference this year, early in the year. And there was a man there. We went out to eat. And he, he, would, he had just had surgery. He had a gaping hole that they had to close up. Let me tell you how he got it. He was a backslid preacher's kid. Dealing drugs in Phoenix, Arizona, and the cartel was mad at him. He, somebody knocked on the door. When he opened the door, they just started shooting. And they hit him five times, with a thir- uh, four times with a 38. One of them went past him and killed his girlfriend. He said, and as I was laying on the floor, I could feel my blood pouring out of me. He looked me in the face and said, boom. They rushed him to the hospital. He barely was alive. And he had a picture of when he died. Somebody took a picture of the moment he died in that hospital. He didn't make it. With his mother at the foot of his bed praying, God, don't take my son. He's not ready. He said, when I died, I saw this bright light. He said, I was thinking, well, this is what everybody's talking about, this nice bright light. He said, and I started going towards that bright light. He said, and a voice spoke out of that bright light and said, this isn't for you. And he said, immediately I I was whisked, he said, down this dark tunnel. He said, when I entered into that tunnel, demons jumped up in my face and said, we have you. He said, I began to punch them. He said, and they laughed at me. Every time I hit them, they laughed at me. He said, they were grabbing. This is what he told me. He said, they were grabbing my body, and they were shredding the flesh like shredded chicken, you know. And he said, I was kicking, trying to get away from them. He said, and as I was coming down that tunnel, they were laughing at me. And he said, I could see people waving in flames. He said, they look like snakes or worms. And he said, they started screaming at me, my God, don't come here. Don't come here. And he said, I knew I was in hell. I was headed to torment. All of a sudden, boom, he said, I'm back. Let me tell you, this guy can preach 
the house down because he just starts preaching about hell. See, hell is real. And if we would ever, you know, we're always preaching, well, I need a vision of the cross, which we do. But you also need a vision of hell. Because the fire is not quenched, and the worm dieth not. If you ever realize your neighbor that you wave at as you go check your mail, as you're mowing your yard, if you ever realize they're dying and going to hell, I'm going to tell you, you start looking at things different. If you ever realize that God puts people in your life and you just brush them off and they're going to wind up in hell, I'm just going to tell you, when I'm at judgment, I'm praying that the only one I'm judged for is Danny, and I hate being judged for him because I shouldn't be. I should have done what God called me to do. I should have said, I'll be right there. This isn't a game. That same chapter, James says life is just a vapor. We're here for a moment and then we're gone. What are you doing in that vapor? I'm looking at people, you're hungry because you're here on a Friday night. And I know this wasn't what you was expecting in a soul winner's class. But real soul winners have a vision of people dying and going to hell. That's what makes you a soul winner. One harsh word, one harsh word does more damage than a thousand kind words. When they're swiping your card at the debit, at the gas station, don't take much to smile and say, hey, you ever heard of Souls Harbor? Or at the restaurant, I'm, I love going to eat with him. You know why? He finds out their name. Because when you know somebody's name, it's personable. Find out people's name. And when you see them and you meet them, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that God lets you see them burning and kicking in hell and you're going to start doing everything you can to win them. And I, I listen, I love missions. But your mission field is right outside those doors. We get so tied up in helping everybody else go overseas when we forgot God's got us on a mission field. And it's when you walk out your door, that's your mission field. He has a lost and dying world right now. Let me tell you what COVID-19 has done. It's helped us. It's helped us. We need to capitalize on it. Come on, we need to walk into that fear and that hurt, and we need to start pulling people out of the, out of the mouth of hell. We need to start pulling them out. Come on, pull them. Come on out. Come with me. Pull them out. Come on with me. Our job is to get them into the church. And be their friend. And answer their questions. God's put men of God in this church to help with the rest. 
hey, they'll disciple them. They'll teach them. We just got to get them here. I'm praying that God would put a burden for somebody you know. Come on. Sometimes we're so focused on our family that we forget to reach out to other people. And if you'll reach out to other people, God will honor that and he'll bring your family back. Come on, I know that there's somebody that you got a burden for. I want us to stand to our feet. I want us to kind of come to the front. Let me tell you what happened with me. My dad and Brother Barnes and another evangelist, they were driving down the road. Brother Barnes was a prophet, a seer, all that stuff, man. He was something else. I mean, I'm... You, you need to go find his books and read them. There's something else, though. Just simple faith. And Brother Barnes was late 80s, and he drove like Batman. <laughs> and, the, and that evangelist told me, he said, he was flying down the road, and he just whipped over on the shoulder. We thought, man, what's going on? And he turned around, looked at my dad, and said, Charlie, the Lord spoke to me about your son. We need to pray different. My dad said, what do we need to pray? We need to pray that somebody will come with a burden, that God will place a burden on somebody for him. Well, that's what happened. That, I mean, within a week, a man started pursuing me. It got to where I was hiding from him at work. Not again. No, I'm not coming to your church. Let's just go to lunch. No, I don't want to go to lunch. Anything I can do for you. Well, at my lowest moment, guess where I went? To the phone. Hey, man, can we talk? See, that was the start of my journey to getting back in church. And here's what I want, I want, I want us to do. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I am the Lord. And I will be exalted among the heathen. I want us to just quietly close our eyes just for a minute. And before you do, here's what I want you to pray before we do this. Lord, put somebody's face in my mind. And I'm going to pursue them. They're going to tell you no a thousand times. But that one time. They're going to need you. And I want you to pray this with me right now. Lord, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you would somehow place somebody in their mind in the name of Jesus, God, that they can win right now. They don't realize it, 
But you do, and you're going to put that burden on them. All right, now here's what I want us to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just be still for one moment until that person is placed in your mind. And when they are, I want you to begin telling God that I'm, I'm about to pursue them. I'm going to win them for you. Just be still. Let him put, let him put it in your mind. That's how he'll speak to you. When you get that picture of that person, I want you to begin to pray and I want you to commit to God. Come on, we commit to all these other things. How about committing that I'm going to win this person? And tell him, I'm not letting up, God. Open the doors. Come on, begin to praise him right now and begin to thank him for that soul that you're going to bring and you're going to snatch out of the fire. Come on. Begin to intercede on that person. Come on, make that commitment. I'm calling them at least once a day. I'm going to text them several times a day. Come on, you can win that person. That soul can be won by you. It's because you are a soul winner. Holy, holy, holy. Come on now, begin to commit to God. Come on, that's it. Let it burn in your mind. Come on, pull them out of the fires of hell. Come on, take them back from the devil. They're not your trophy, devil. They're going to be the trophy of the Lord. Win that neighbor. Come on, win whoever he's putting right, right here in your mind. Win them. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, don't let the enemy get you weary and well-doing. Come on, begin to press on. Come on, get that vision of hell in your mind. Pull them out of the fire. Who knows what God has in store for them? Come on, they may be the catalyst of the greatest revival this area has ever seen. Come on, the fields are white. He said the fields are white, but the laborers are few. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it.
in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that a burden would fall upon us where we can't even breathe at night. Come on, I pray that, that a burden would fall upon us that we're, we can't, it consumes us with a passion. Come on, begin to pray for yourself. Put your hand on your head. Begin to say, God, consume me. God, consume me.